From Michigan Radio, this is It's Just Politics. I'm Zoe Clark. In the wake of the historic repeal of Michigan's right-to-work law, Governor Gretchen Whitmer made a visit this week to the UAW. We'll hear what she had to say. But first, Michigan Democratic Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin is the only sitting member of the U.S. House of Representatives who has now represented districts with two school shootings. The Oxford High School shooting in 2021 and the MSU shooting just last month. This week, Slotkin introduced new gun violence prevention legislation. Congresswoman, welcome back to It's Just Politics. Thanks for having me. Can you tell me a little bit about the gun violence prevention bills you introduced this week? Sure. Um, This week, we introduced three. The first one is No Crime Left Behind, um, which is the one that's directly connected to Michigan State. Um, It basically says if you're convicted of any gun-related crime, right, felony or misdemeanor, that you are banned from buying a gun for at least three years after you serve your sentence. The man who perpetrated the mass murder at Michigan State had been convicted of a gun-related misdemeanor, served his probation, finished that probation, went out and legally bought a gun, you know, at a big one of these big stores, and obviously carried out, um, you know, the attack. And so this would is responsible is in response, excuse me, directly to to that. Then we have um, a bill that looks particularly at a waiting period after you legally buy a gun. It's a pause, um, pause for Gun Safety Act, which basically says we looked at all the data of all these folks who buy a gun out of anger, either to hurt other people or hurt themselves. Um, And it goes back to a time um, years ago when we had a pause. This is a seven day waiting period. You go and buy a gun at Walmart, at Dunham's. Um, You've legally bought it. You pick it up seven days later. So there's no crimes of passion. Um, Nothing that we've seen like in Atlanta and Highland Park where people were acting out of immediate anger in the middle of a mental crisis. And then the last one is about researching gun violence and basically allowing the CDC finally to research gun violence as a public health issue. Right now, gun violence is the number one killer of children under 21, but the CDC is not allowed to study it as a public health issue. And of the top 30 ways that children die in this country, it's the least researched. Um, And we have places right here in Michigan, uh, at University of Michigan, that do this kind of research so that we can get at the root causes and try to deal with this as a society. So those are the three that we announced this week, in addition to safe storage, which we announced about a month ago. Can you quickly explain why it is that the CDC is unable right now to do this kind of research? Yeah, it's because uh, a legislator years ago shoved in an amendment to a bill, a much bigger bill, inspired by uh, you know lobbying groups like the NRA to put it in, to say we shouldn't be able to study this. So there's actually a prohibition, an affirmative prohibition in law. Um, I believe it's called the Dickey Amendment. And it was put in a long time ago, and this would be reversing that amendment. Right now, Republicans are in charge of the chamber in which you work, the U.S. House of Representatives. So some ask, why introduce these bills now if they will not pass a Republican House? Well, first of all, um, just because uh, the majority in the House refuses to deal with this issue doesn't mean I get to ignore it, especially as someone who's had two school shootings in her district. So uh, that we can't sit on our hands and wait. Um, the other reason, though, is because I feel like the ground is shifting on this issue. 
And I felt it really clearly after the MSU shooting. You know, we have 50,000 students, you know, roughly 100,000 parents, hundreds of thousands of family members. And then at this point, probably millions of MSU alumni out there. Everyone's been to the union. Everyone felt a connection to that shooting. And I got more calls from hunters, sportsmen, um, sort of Republican elected officials. I mean, everybody who will, would say like, look, I'm a responsible gun owner. I don't want you coming for my gun, but please help protect our babies in schools. So I could feel the ground shifting. I think it's gonna be um, uh, really important when we pass legislation on this in Michigan. Um, and I th- I just feel like the elected officials in Washington are literally the last ones to, to get the message on this. And um, I, I have to say, we did a press conference yesterday um, on these bills. And people had asked me, you know, is there anyone interested on the from the other side of the aisle? And I said, we've been trying to pitch it to them. We haven't heard from anyone. And then I walked to the floor of the house to vote. And a Republican came up to me and says, can I see you? And he says, I'm interested in your bills. Can we talk privately about potentially me getting on those bills? And I said, absolutely. Like, what a brave thing to do. Yes. So uh, I think there's reason for optimism. um, And I think that the public is going to demand action on this such that leaders eventually up here are going to be forced to vote on these issues. Well, you bring up something I wanted to ask you about, which is conversations that you've had both within your Democratic caucus, but possibly across the aisle. I'm curious because you now have this distinction of representing two districts with school shootings. Has that changed or possibly informed conversations that you are having with your colleagues across the aisle? You know, I mean... Maybe a bit, but I think more than anything, you know, the reason why, you know, this Republican member came up to me yesterday was because I think I have a background um, that has involved, you know, being growing up with firearms. Right. I grew up my in my family farm. We always had guns. We always shot guns for fun. Um, I had a Glock and an M4 on three tours in Iraq, you know, had to be weapons qualified on both the handgun and a semi-automatic. Um, and so my my feeling is um, that we can actually have conversations with responsible gun owners. I'm not looking to take away someone's gun who's been responsible with it. I'm trying to make sure mentally ill people, people in crisis, people who are out to hurt themselves or others don't get a gun. And I think that that's just, um, to me, that background helps me more than anything in those conversations with my Republican colleagues. Well, to that point, conversations about guns right now are so politically charged. You're saying you feel maybe that there's a difference in D.C. Do you see a way outside of legislation where, again, probably Republicans are just going to say no to bring the heat down, at least when it comes to gun safety? Yeah, I mean, you know, we did uh, we did this press conference yesterday and there were activists there, you know, kids who have survived the Parkland shooting kids. I had kids with me who were at Oxford High School, who were at MSU um, and some of those groups that when we were done with the press conference, I said, where are you guys headed? Are you going to go see, you know, the cherry blossoms? And they said, no, we're going to offices of Republican lawmakers who refuse to have a conversation on this issue. So I think things are definitely heating up. Um, and, um, you know, I think. All big changes in this country have taken time, Um, but there's just going to come a point where, you know, you have enough people who are directly impacted by gun violence um, that it changes their hearts on this issue and they get involved and they put pressure on their their elected officials. Right now, these elected officials are just choosing um, their own reelection. 
you know, over the safety and security of children. And that will just not fly as more and more people have a personal experience with this. You're part of the Bipartisan Problem Solvers Caucus in the House. Are any conversations happening in that caucus surrounding gun safety? There are. And, you know, a number of us in that in that caucus have had school shootings. Uh, Besides myself, we have the representative of Uvalde, Texas, is in the Problem Solvers Caucus. We have Mm -hmm. uh, the Republican leader of the Problem Solvers Caucus. Brian Fitzpatrick is a Republican who has voted on some gun uh, safety measures and was a former FBI uh, officer. So that is the place where those conversations are happening most seriously. Um, But uh, you can see on the Republican side um, their reluctance because um, it's it's become such a political issue and they don't want to get a primary. They don't want to get someone who runs against them. And what we're trying to have what we're trying to tell them is like, look, there has to be something more to just getting reelected every time in this job. You have to use your voice. And what an amazing voice it would be if we had Republicans, you know, particularly gun owners calling for gun safety measures so that our kids aren't being killed in their sanctuaries. We're speaking with Michigan Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin. Congresswoman, you announced last month that you're going to run for Michigan's open U.S. Senate seat in 2024. We haven't spoken uh, on air yet since you've made that announcement. Why now? Well, I mean, look, we were all surprised. No one more than me when Senator Sabanow announced in early January that she wasn't running again. Um, She is, uh, I mean, a mentor and has just done incredible things for the state of Michigan Um, And she's the chairwoman of the Ag Committee. It's a farm bill year. So, you know, in my mind, I thought she would be running um, uh, for many more terms. So she surprised us. And, um, you know, in my mind, I'm a federal policy person. That's my background as a CIA officer and DOD official and then now here in the House. So it was always something that I had thought about, you know, into the future. So lots of conversations and, and decided to jump in because the idea of being able to push and fight on behalf of the state, um, the entire state, to me, feels like something really important and feels like something that, uh, you know, we just need a new generation of leadership in there. I'm curious how much of an issue you'll make gun safety in your statewide campaign. Well, look, right now, I mean, you know, the the MSU shooting was not even seven weeks ago. I mean, it's very fresh. Um, and uh, for me, I took a, an oath to protect and defend the United States, right? I've done it at the Pentagon and the CIA. I've done it as a member of Congress. What is more relevant to protecting people in this country, to homeland security, than protecting our kids against the thing that is the number one killer of children? Uh, there's nothing to me political about that. And the analogous situation that I always think about is seatbelts in the 1980s, right? When I was growing up, the number one killer of young children were car accidents, even small car accidents when little children would go, you know, flying through the windshield. Um, And we decided as a society first to study why kids were dying at this disproportionate, these disproportionate rates. The CDC studied it as a public health issue. Um, And then we had physicians, frankly, mobilizing and saying, you know, we gotta do something to stop the death of kids like this. Um, And we passed the first laws at the federal level on car seats, right? And at the time, there were protests. There were people who said, how dare you infringe on my individual rights? And a lot of people didn't like that they couldn't have their children in their laps in the front seat. We went back and looked at the articles from that time. 
It was a personal freedom issue. There were protests. There was the whole thing. Um, and now look at what we have done to protect kids. It has decreased the number of, of child deaths in car accidents dramatically. That's not to say that there's not children who die every day in car accidents. There are. But we decided as a society to mitigate that threat to our kids. And I think that's just what we're asking for on the issue of gun violence. There are in any campaign, of course, the issues that you want to focus on. And then there are the issues that come up. What do you think this campaign for Michigan's open Senate seat will be about over the next 20 months? Well, look, I mean, I think if you walk around the state anywhere and you just talk to people and I'm not talking about, you know, sort of talking heads, I'm talking about average person. They're basically having um, a, a version of the same conversation, which is um, it has gotten harder to just do that very basic thing of working 40 hours a week, staying out of trouble, doing well, being able to save and having your children do better than you. That that really basic idea um, that if you work hard, you can do well in this country. People are either not making enough to cover their bills, their health care and prescription drugs costs are, are plus their rent, plus whatever is making it so that they cannot maintain a middle class life. Um, they can't afford their kids to go to school. Um, and so their options are being curbed. Um, and uh, um, the future of work in Michigan is always something that's relevant. So I hear about that in some form or fashion all the time. But I also hear about um, the need, obviously, as we've seen in Michigan, to protect and defend our civil rights, our voting rights, um, our, our basic tenets of democracy. Um, so those, to me, are the things that um, are going to be central no matter what issue pops up, no matter what becomes hot, because that's what people are talking about. How do I live a good, how do I get into and stay in the middle class and live the life that I want to have in this country that I love? Michigan Democratic Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin running for Michigan's 2024 U.S. Senate seat and introducing gun violence prevention legislation this week. Congresswoman, thank you so much for the time. Thanks, Zoe. Wrapping up the show last week, we had a bit of breaking news. That Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed historic legislation repealing Michigan's right to work law and restoring a law to require union level wages on public projects. This is known as prevailing wage. In political math, these were big Democratic wins and big Republican losses. Rick Pluta, co-host of It's Just Politics, is here. He is the senior capital correspondent for the Michigan Public Radio Network. Rick, this was a big win for Democrats last week, but the Whitmer team heralded the victory with a simple press release. Yes, dropped on a Friday afternoon, tossed into the less noticed winds of the weekend news cycle. And usually there'd be a bill signing ceremony over monumental legislation like this. You could see it happening at the state capitol, maybe, maybe a union hall in the shadow of an auto plant, but not this time. Now, it certainly didn't go unnoticed the fact that this bill was signed, but it wasn't a hullabaloo that played out with sound and visuals on front pages and websites and news broadcasts. 
But that's not necessarily how it felt to a lot of union members a few days later. Thank you to the brothers and sisters of the UAW. I am so happy to be here with all of you. That was Governor Whitmer on Tuesday. Uh, Yes, at the UAW's National Bargaining Convention in Detroit. It's a setup for the union's contract negotiations with the auto companies. Now I know you all have heard we've been a little busy in Lansing in a good way for a change, right? In a good way for a change, maybe a Reference back to 2012 when then-Republican Governor Rick Snyder and a Republican-controlled legislature jammed through the right-to-work law amid really big union protests at the Capitol. And it is worth pointing out, Snyder signed right-to-work with no public ceremony. Mm -hmm. It, too, was announced via press release. Okay, so unions may be feeling back on top. But it is worth noting that at the same time as Democrats in the legislature approved these bills, Governor Whitmer is courting business to build here in the state, including car manufacturers. Yeah, absolutely. It's a line every Michigan governor must straddle, although that's more true of Democrats. It's pretty doubtful a Republican governor would be asked to speak at a UAW convention. But to your point, Whitmer's also big on board with helping land manufacturing projects with what critics, including some union folks, call corporate welfare, mostly in the form of business tax breaks. In order, though, now to land more union jobs. Right. That was the prevailing wage piece. If you're paying union wages, why not hire union workers? But car companies, business groups who are not at all happy about losing right to work and the prevailing wage law, well, these taxpayer-funded incentives are a spoonful of sugar to help them swallow this bitter medicine. Meantime, we should note that the state legislature is on their spring break this week and next. Mm -hmm. And that means progressive Democrats who've really pushed for this right to work repeal can go back to their districts and do their own victory dances. Okay, that is Rick Pluta, senior capital correspondent for the Michigan Public Radio Network. And I am Zoe Clark. That is It's Just Politics for today. Have a great weekend, and let's talk again next Friday.